This is episode 291 of the Gold Squadron Podcast. I'm your host, Dio Morales, and today I'm joined by Marcel. Preparing for the podcast last week, met my quota for the year. Good thing he got it in just in time. Monzano. Not just in time. I had like two weeks to go. <laughs> Plenty of time. Will, happy life day. Hey, quit. How's it going? Ryan, I'm free. Until I'm called upon. Staniszewski. Yes. Even though when you have extra time off that you can use at the end of the year, being a lead of your team means you're still on call. This is true. This is true. Uh, I have, uh, I'm on maternity leave, or paternity leave, sorry, wrong word. Uh, paternity leave right now, but at the same time, starting tomorrow is this big orchestra band convention in Chicago. And I have to go for like two panels because of my school, even though like it's whatever. It's cool. I mean, I want to go anyway. They're playing some of my music. That's fun. Get to I'll, I'll wear a fancy tie and everything. It'll be, it'll be great. What is it like, Dion, when you go to someplace else and they play your music as, as the enjoyer viewer? So I will tell you, I have – I have had that I have not had that experience yet in person. I've seen a couple recordings which made me go, "Oh my goodness, this is going to be this is uh the premiere of a piece uh of, of one of my arrangements and the first time I'll be I'll be like there for one. Then that's going to be tom- tomorrow's Tuesday, right? That's tomorrow. Super excited about it. I got to make sure I don't stay up too late today doing construction. But yeah, super super excited about it. I um I have a lot lot of musical works in in the queue right now. Actually, I released a new one today. We'll talk about that later time. But yeah, it was it's good good stuff. Good stuff. All right. Let's start with announcements and news. Will, I believe we have an update for the ta- the title Dogfights. And we're going to get that announcement from Will now so that we can hear him. Uh, yes, <laughs> of course. Hearing me is good because uh, <laughs> I need to talk about our new supreme leader of the First Order, oh, Christopher snap. Crispy Patrick. That's right. From Coming off of the Galactic Championship Series, uh, still, still the year Crispy. Uh, so able to get in there. Uh, and because we were counting not just wins on wins on our Wednesday streams, but we were counting all qualifying uh, wins. If you played on stream, uh, we would count your win for our title holders. So uh, Crispy uh, was in the running for that. He had qualified uh, through you know the uh, through our Galactic qualifiers. Uh, beating, I think, two of them, right? He's a two-time qualifying winner. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he was able, he took took some time off, came on Wednesday, and was able to uh, take that title. Uh, we still got uh, two more uh, qualifiers, uh, Sandy and Tan, going for a second uh, chance at the title. Um, so they're, they're planning to face off, and we'll be, Crowning then our fourth. Remember, we're going to get seven different titles. The first player to win the title, they get to choose uh, faction. Uh, we got uh, Psych J7, the Jedi Master right now, and Sevwal holding down the Emperor's hand. Uh, so we got just four more in the running. Uh, but of course, check out on Wednesdays, 
uh, will be is normally where we get those qualifying matches uh, when uh, we stream on those days. Beautiful. So in here, here is the plan uh, with Sector Series coming up, which we have a lot to talk about with that. Um, those are going to start inter overlapping because we'll have Sector Series mm -hmm. games that qualify for for these title dogfights. So uh, you'll hear us kind of talking about them. Uh, it's just the difference is that the title dogfights are kind of a continuing thing that continues rolling and Sector Series is a specific uh, set of time. Uh, a reminder, coming up in a few weeks, we have the Las Vegas Open. It's going to be a great time. Looking forward to seeing everybody there. As for Sector Series, it is open. The, our league-style championship series is officially up and running. You can get registered now. And what I wanted to do, I wanted to start by um, showing you the website, how, uh, how to get registered and everything like that and if you're listening i will paint you a picture with my words don't you worry friend so sector series if you go to gold squadron podcast.com you cannot miss it it's the first little section uh right there in uh in the website you click on sector series and that will take you to this page you have all the different things you need we have a rules document uh set to go uh, the results page is the only last thing under the construction and actually uh brian from um, uh, the from Roll Better actually created a couple of tools that we're going to be uh, implementing there. Uh, as for prizes, uh, as a reminder, we're doing a uh, – it's completely free to participate in Sector Series. You just need to know how to play in uh, play on TTS. These are our uh, set-aside prizes. We're going to have Sector winners, uh, cards being made up to match the uh, the ships or the pilots of the winners, just like we did for the Galactic Championships. And uh, the – the top 16 are going to get plastic versions of those, and we're going to be making paper versions of those as well to kind of pass out. And, of course, uh, for the first time, we're going to be making some digital swag as well for people to be able to play with and just have as part of their uh, TTS assets. Top eight, we'll get some Sector Series-themed tournament boxes. Top four, Sector Series uh, flight jackets. And our champion will be going home with that beautiful Sector Series trophy gonna be so nice absolutely love it uh, and when you register you basically have to choose a sector there are four different sectors there are four hour windows here uh, you have UTC 0 to 4 UTC 6 to 10 UTC 12 to 16 and then 18 to 22 and it's very simple you just click on whichever one you need and uh, and you will go ahead and see what you need. Now, I know some people don't know how to use UTC. You're like, I don't understand. Can you dumb it down for me? And I'll say, don't worry. I made, We made a chart right here. Very simple. Approximately, where do you live? I did a lot of the major cities, and I've translated it to, translated it to your local time so you can check it out. As for who's currently signed up right now, Sector 1, I believe, is, is the one that has the most uh, people in it. And I think the reason is because that is uh, – that's the majority kind of evening time for the United States. And uh, right now we have 40 people signed up for that one. Sector 2 is the smallest right now with only two people in there. Sector 3 has currently 12, and there's 45 – oh, sorry. Sector 4 has 45 players right now. So it looks like right now we have a total of what, – what was that? like nine oh, about 90 almost 90 mm -hmm. right now yeah people signed yeah, up just sector just four wanna... be europe 
Sector four is like primarily European time zone. It's right. It's right here. So if you're looking at the, it's uh, mornings in the United States ish mornings, late afternoons. But yeah, it's evenings in Europe. All right, what's right as, as a Ruby, because that is terrible. Say it again. Sorry, I know what I was going to say, but I just what sector too, because you said two people on there. Like, yep. So, well, when it comes to the sectors, that's one of the things on our, on our, I had a plan for this. So in the event that we have less than, let me just go check the rules because I don't, I don't have to guess. I could just go to the rule packet and, uh, and look for fine, uh, re or, oh, I put it on here. I know I did. I set I set a number. It's somewhere in here. I'll have to double check. But essentially, if they don't miss, if they don't hit the cap uh, for structure, right here, restructuring. In the event that less than six players sign up for a sector, the following will occur. So, six players is enough to play the event, which would be which would give you a round robin setup with with five rounds that's the absolute minimum and i would run it with six uh but if there's less than that what ends up happening is i'll take one of the bigger ones and i'll chop it in half and rename it as sector two but give it the original time and we go from there just to be able to actually have four sectors because we want what time we is want chapter sector two Sec sector two in chicago is midnight to 4 a.m Oh, good lord. <laughs> <laughs> He's out about jumping in on that sector. Uh, I might do it. I mean, right. might my, my need to. Uh, it counts Friday, right? Like, you could play Friday night. Sure. sure. Yeah, you just... I mean, that's... <laughs> The, the thing uh, is that the expectation is that, you know, you, you have flexibility within those hours, right? Yeah, I got With, flexibility between midnight on Friday night or 1230 on Friday night. <laughs> <laughs> Might be a little tough. I think sector one might be uh, might be the call for you, my friend. But hey, you know what? Whatever floats your boat, whatever floats your boat. Um, sure. We... I, I just wanted to chime in that uh, if you haven't inferred what we were saying, remember the sector is when you want to play as Correct. an approximation. Most people, it's their evenings or after work or whatnot. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, not necessarily. Um, Worms does ask, uh, why the two-hour gaps? Just why to make it a little bit easier. To make it easier, because what I wanted to do was, originally I had it a six-hour window. The problem with that is I wanted to actually have a difference between the person who wants to play at 11.59 and the person who wants to play at 2 a.m. Right. Like those are mm -hmm. those are two different people. And by like making those gaps, there's just less likely of somebody wanting to like somebody in the same sector being, oh, I can only play at the beginning of the time and I can only play at the end of the time. I'm shortening that window in which they can play to make it more feasible for people to actually yeah. schedule games. Sure. And, and obviously you can make exceptions with your your opponent if sure if yeah be. it's it's one of those things where the expect like it it's not unreasonable to be like hey do do you have another time but the um 
you know, the expectation is that you should be available in that window at some point exactly. dur- during mm-hmm. the during the time. Yeah, it's not like you have to play or if your game goes over on time, like it's it's not. It's just organization so that, you know, somebody who's no, who like let's say they have they have kids and like listen, I have this hour and a half, two hour gap in the evening that I can play, uh, but then I got to get to bed or put my kids to bed or something like that. Just trying to give people predictability. That's a good, great question, though. Absolutely great question. Uh, but yeah, everything you need, and if you need an online time uh, online time zone converter, we have one of those. But uh, very simple, uh, one game a week, standard. It's free, flexible lists, and this is going to end up going into uh, our topic for today, which is building for scenario. The scenarios are going to be selected each week. You are allowed to change your list each week. So that means that if you want to, you can make adjustments to your list. You can play a completely different list based on whatever scenario gets drawn up for that week. It will be the same scenario for all sectors for that week. Um, so we have that. And then additionally, I wanted to talk about the top 16 because we're doing – it's more kind of like top 16. There, There's quotes here potentially. So the way we're doing it is – in your sector, whoever's – you take the top four, and any player who has the same score, event score, as the fourth player also gets in. So what this does is it – I've never been a fan of score breaker at, with strength of schedule and making – specific number cuts, which is why for a long time we were doing graduated cuts. But – Wording it in this way gives me flexibility with the different sizes of of groups and the the everybody basically playing the same number of rounds, which, which will end up being five. So if you end up with, you know, um, you know, somebody who's undefeated, two people that uh, that have one loss, and then you have players four, five, and six all have the same score, they w- all six of those players end up in the top cut. Does that make sense? Uh, Marcel says no. William says yes. Ryan, you're my, you're my, <laughs> you're you're the, you're the rubber match. Does that does that make sense? Do you understand? Does it? Am I translating that right? I think so. Uh, part of, I'm I'm using two parts of my brain right now. One to listen and one to do the do the homework. My, my my part in this episode. Nah, you're, you're you're good. Good. You're I, good. I was using zero part of my brain. To be fair, <laughs> I, I was on my phone. Fair. Fair. So, uh, but yeah. So, if you have the same event score, uh, then uh, then you end up making making the cut. And the reason why this matters as well is in our sector series, draws are draws. They are not roll offs. Okay. So, if your game ends in a draw, you get that single event point, right, for both players, and. And that gives more differentiation later um, because I have a feeling that draws when it comes to like worlds, hint, hint, uh, are still going to be a thing, most likely. It's a good chance. So uh, it's, it's, a, it's an adjustment to get used to it or, or to reuse the structure that is currently 
in existence right now and uh also reward players for getting to that draw and not punishing the player for uh losing a roll off when having fought that entire game and getting a tie score so trying to uh, trying to both by having the adjusted top four and and draws be implemented as trying to balance out some of the what people call unfairness of what a like only four people make the cut or graduated cuts with roll offs end up creating so trying to find that middle ground will will we uh, will we do it who knows <laughs> or will it be successful we'll find out we got to actually play it through it as for when does everything start kicks off the week of january 16th and again uh, remember it's uh, completely free you just have to click on the sector you want it opens up the page you go ahead and the top of the page you click sign up for roll better and uh you join the tournament it's that easy okay let's go ahead and jump in to our topic for the day how to build on scenario here is the goal for today what we want to do we want to make sure that for each scenario we're going to just give a give you a reminder of what each scenario is because i know sometimes people don't remember the fancy names we'll use their fancy name as well as um giving you the synopsis of what the point is and then just kind of i want to talk about what are the tools that are good for each of those and how that implements into the rules of the scenario and what i want to start digging for is could a format like this where you get to know the scenario beforehand allow i mean let me the word is not allow pilots that end up getting gatekeeped by other scenarios that could end up being used in uh in in this format i'm curious to see what pilots might show up and just kind of digging through our collective knowledge and those of you who are watching live maybe we can find some uh, some pilots some underused pilots that might be useful in a in a format like this it still uses scenarios but you can sub in people as uh, as needed so we're gonna go ahead and we're gonna get started with scramble the transmission so if you're not familiar or you don't remember scramble the transmissions this is the scenario where you have three scenario tokens on the board one in the center you place one your opponent places one and you people sometimes lovingly call it the light switch or hitting the buttons scenario you use an action to go ahead and scramble and if you have a higher initiative ship come afterwards you they can come uh, go ahead and claim it and at the end of the turn starting in round two you claim a point it's that simple um so some of the things that i've seen that are really good in this scenario is that when people have passive modifiers that they can spend on their attacks and they can use that perform action step action to actually do the scenario action they end up getting a big advantage in that scenario so for instance you got things like uh, force users that have the force available for them to modify their attacks and to defend with a lot of times those especially at their higher initiative they 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 love scramble the transmission because a lot of times they're faster a little bit more maneuverable they'll go ahead and click the button as needed also one thing that i witnessed remembering specifically a uh, a game that marcel played uh is when you have a swarm worth of ships you have enough ships you have ships that can afford 
the action. Right, even though they might be in the line of fire, they you have so many ships where you might be able, be willing to risk actually going ahead and clicking the button to get it get it done there. Um, as for what are tools that are good, I mean, we talked about having many ships, passive modifiers, and um, you know, when it comes to pilots that could rise out of this format, this is where. Um, my I question, like, are we going to see a big spike in force users being used during, uh, during scramble the transmission or would it be, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's impossible to know, but I'm trying to think through what are pilots that maybe we don't normally see that would be good in here. Who has, who's a passive, but here's, I guess my thing for scramble, right? Who has passive modifiers? And doesn't see play a lot. That doesn't really work in the other scenarios. And I'm not sure of anybody off the top of my head. I'm trying to think of maybe not passive modifiers, but someone with a passive extra action. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at Darth Vader, Poe, mm -hmm. Night Beast. They all get that extra action they can use for right. scrambling. Right. See, but now those those are all pieces that we – and this is what I was, I was trying to add in that, that the end of that sentence is those are all pieces that we would see already. Right? Nah, like, not, not Night Beast. Not, not, not since his three-point increase. Oh, well, you're right. Yeah, you're right. You, three. You, you, you could say Republic Jedi that aren't Obi and Anakin. Fair. Like, especially the four-point ones. The Aether Sprites at four, your, your Ahsoka, your Mace, your Lumi, they're cheap, but he got a lot of them. Oh, yeah, You're really Ahsoka. good at uh, doing, getting my free my reposition with my Force and hit the button. Mm-hmm. <laughs> click all right yeah so definitely yeah definitely gonna see gonna see force users there i like dark curse night beast um but yeah scramble the transmission i think is probably the most straightforward one out of these three uh when it comes to what's good if you have extra actions you're probably going to end up seeing it um could we end up seeing more coordinators in this just like you say all right so my normal ship that i want to bring doesn't have extra actions but if i have my normal ship quote unquote do the scenario action and i have a ap5 or some other coordinating ship a side shuttle out there to be hey click yeah uh, you get your action now so that you can make sure you do stuff um yeah any scenario yeah. that takes an action from your ship to do having a coordinator is going to be additional value and support to make sure that ship still has mods of some type Oh, Marcel Manzano, he's excited about the autopilot drone. Maybe we haven't seen enough escape craft. Escape craft, you don't see, you don't see them out there in scum. <laughs> well, you got Gamut first. Yeah, you got yeah, Gamut. Gamut yeah, Hawks can cost collab. three. Yeah. So, sorry. Wrecked. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he, he but should be one. The the drone. The yeah, he should be one. How much Just is the Nash up? Up. One. He. It is one. It feels like an oversight. I don't know. Because, I mean, what... what It can coordinate, and it blows up after three turns. And it has to blow up. But, yeah, it doesn't have all the same tricks it used to. So, yeah, it just basically blows up. All right. Couple of a uh, couple of other things we have. Let's see. Uh, Chase in the chat says, uh, "I've enjoyed Yeager with squad leader as a cheap I five coordinator." Yeah, that's that is a good one for the Republic. Absolutely. 
All right, so let's uh, let's keep uh, let's keep it going here. We can roll back to scramble uh, as as needed. But uh, uh, Will, what is your scenario? All right, this is assault at the satellite array. Uh, this is the, one of these scenarios with five objectives, uh, but no scenario action. Uh, at the end phase, you just need to have a ship at range zero to one of your objective, and you will score a point. Now, you will have to contest that objective with your opponent, so if you tie, that's a wash, uh, but if you, say, have two ships versus their one, that objective is going to be going to you. In addition to that, medium and large bases do count as two. So in the same situation, uh, one medium base versus one small base from your opponent, that's going to be your objective. And that's where you're, uh, the first thing, the obvious advantage for bringing a assault-based list is going to be those medium and large bases. Uh, that's a big difference twofold uh, to count for those assaults. Uh, there are uh, my other ones I, I listed out was speed, which uh, most of those larger bases uh, can fuel faster and move around the board. Um, the other thing I'm looking at is just ship count. I mean, if you bring all eight small bases, you can uh, converge on uh, those objectives uh, with uh, just sheer numbers. In fact, maybe even preventing your opponent from even getting into uh, range one because you have so many ships near it. Uh, then the other one's uh, turrets. Uh, you might have to fly to an objective uh, that is, uh, say, outside the fight. But if you have a turret, you could actually help out and still contribute even while uh, going to those kind of outskirts of the battlefield. Uh, some disadvantages, some list types you're not going to want to fly in assault uh, are lists that want to stay together. We're talking like an Aiden full swarm where everyone's trying to be next to Aiden and Hall Runner. Uh, I'm trying to think of uh, what's some other range one only abilities. Range one? Oh, you mean your own ships? Range one? Yeah, uh, Sirisu is another one. For, uh, defensive rerolls for ships at range one. Uh, yeah, I guess network calculations of any network type. calculations. Yes. A lot of times you can meep that out a little bit. Sure, sure. Uh, then things like uh, swarm tactics. If you got some chaining of swarm tactics, might all want to be at range one of each other, and that's going to prevent you from doing what you need to do, which is spread out to get to those multiple objectives. Now you don't need to, uh, you know, send a single one of your five ships to each objective, because uh, most of the time there's going to be one or two by your opponent's edge that they're going to be able to get to more easily. Uh, so you want to focus on the two on your side, and especially the one in the middle. Uh, and that, that's really the, the difficult part, um, is trying to uh, converge your fire onto a single target, uh, preferably one who's about to score that objective, right? So if you got, my two ships and Dion's two ships fighting now in the middle, I need to get one of those ships off the board and might require a help from other ships who may not be contesting that objective. Now it's easier said than done, 
uh, unless you got like a bunch, unless every ship in your squad's a turret or something, uh, that's gonna be the challenge for you. Uh, what some easier things you could do is if you have say a fifth or sixth ship, that's more of just a filler, maybe a two point tie or a, a vulture or something, uh, you can send them off to an objective uh, especially the ones that were on your board edge. Uh, you can put one right next to a rock uh, or put an obstacle right next to one and then maybe jump a vulture onto it for the rest of the game. You just sit there with the struts uh, open. Yeah, open. Uh, getting those points, same thing. You got a little black squadron tie, just hard one bear rolling around an objective. They will, as a two-point ship and maybe even a three-point ship, you might score more points getting that objective than you would having that ship help you in combat. Uh, so those are, that's, that's a good an point. easier way. That's a good point. Get, <laughs> yeah. get that, get, just be there. <laughs> the Vultures got to survive two, the second and third round. Uh, that's all they got to do to make up their points on an assault. So it's really low bar for uh, these uh, quote unquote filler ships, your BB-8s, your TIE fighters, your, your jerk Jaegers, things like that. Uh, then of course, now this is this is some more advanced setup you'll have to do is that because the large bases and medium bases uh, can uh, not only get you double like count ship count if you will, uh, but a large base uh, is easier to put them together. The objectives have to be range two from each other but a large base can be put in between them and actually get two objectives. In fact, you can get three if you set it up right. If you set up a little triangle perhaps, including the middle one, though be careful because if, you, if your opponent notices you building this triangle for your decimator or falcon or whatever, they're more inclined to drop an obstacle right inside of that small triangle to prevent you from scoring those uh, objectives. So like I said, a little bit more advanced, um, but definitely something I've seen. When that large base comes in and takes three of them oh, and steals them away from your single ships as well, uh, it can really uh, get a lot of points in there. And that, uh, that might be the other thing I want to stress about this scenario. There's five points available every round on the board, which means that every, um, what do I want to say? That there's many times where destroying a ship uh, is not as valuable as taking, uh, say, two or three objectives over time. I think one of the one of the craziest things I've seen is in a turn, uh, a player managed to destroy an enemy ship, like a big, a large base ship. And then end up mm -hmm. controlling all five satellites in one turn, Oof. and just completely yeah. flipping a game because yeah. they, they the, the target selection was correct, and it mm -hmm. ends up like th those satellites you can run away with it pretty quickly if you got control with it. Right, and that uh, I mentioned it before, but that speed uh, for your ships is an advantage. Not to get to the objective, but sometimes you might want to leave combat and get to the objective more specifically. Uh, this is a scenario that doesn't award half points. Uh, so uh, a lot of the times you'll find yourself a, a one or two health ship uh, with low initiative they have they are just going to give up those points in combat so you just five forward them out to the outskirts and try to find a objective out there uh the uh 
I mean, that, this gives uh, to me uh, kind of a conflicted view because like, well, do I want to go like two medium bases uh, and maybe like one or two other small base ships or do I want to go like seven or eight ships for this one? Uh, fortunately, I, because it doesn't require that action, I think a lot of ships can excel in assault where they normally would have a downfall. Um, we're talking aces specifically, your interceptors, your adas uh, can actually staying alive and running on the outskirts is still going to be uh, contributing to the combat. Love it. Let's you see. said a ton of words. I left for a part of it. Did you just <laughs> did you talk about the droids parking on stuff already? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, the yeah the. I'm trying to think of is there anything else? Um, I'm thinking like ships with stop, like a Bosque with uh, contraband stops. Yeah. Side shuttles. Um, I don't know if you mentioned or not. Um, you know one of the one of the the, the archetypes that used to be really good. Mm -hmm. that kind of fell off it, it used to be really good maybe january february march and then it's just started falling off more and more are the alpha strikes uh specifically like rebel alpha strikes okay they actually tend to do really well here because they don't have to sacrifice their actions their target locks their double mods in order mm, to yes. uh so when i'm when i'm playing against something like you know rebel whatever corin plus or wedge plus or things like that mm -hmm. that rely on those initial actions to get their double modded alpha strike off i usually hope that i don't get them for chance engagement or for this because in scenarios where they have to take the action in order to capture or tow then they're giving up their their alpha strike capabilities at that point so alpha strike tends to do better than other ones in yes yeah, i mean especially in that scenario where uh you can misplay your setup you're like you don't realize that it's wedge and luke coming down at the uh at the high initiative and you spread out your five ships very wide they can just come in and take one ship out take out the next ship and all of a sudden you'll find yourself with a couple scenario points but lacking in overall ship count All right, so that, my friends, was Assault at the Satellite Array. Now, going going back here, and let's I want to do a quick comparison. Um, you know, if if you were trying to play, let, let's say there's, I know there's players who are very fat. They 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 are rebel players. I'm a rebel player, or I'm a resistance player. Um. You know, going between scramble to assault, I heard go for larger ships, those medium and large base ships, uh, and if you can swarm them, swarm them. It's one one of one of those two things, right? So just maybe if if you're if you're thinking if you're playing in sector series and you like to play a single faction, that's how maybe you can start tweaking your list in order to obviously large base ships and a swarm don't quite go together at the same time, uh, totally <laughs> for every faction. But you can uh, kind of swing your list in one of those two directions. All right, Ryan, we're gonna go salvaging, salvage. Got to get them crates. So, quick summary: you got five crates, 
Uh, pick them up. Limits ship repositions. We'll get into like details in a moment. Gain one point per crate held by friendly ship at end phase. When a crate carrier suffers a crit damage or would be destroyed, drops a crate placed at the opponent by the opponent. So if you're holding one, they shoot you, get a crit, or your ship dies. Your opponent puts that uh, crate down at range one of the ship that was took a crit or destroyed. Now, what limits a lot of people's decision making, uh, whether they pick up crates or not, is the fact that carrying a crate does limit the ship's repositioning capabilities. No boost actions, no barrel actions, no slam actions, no cloak actions, and no gaining cloak tokens. Because there are ways to gain cloak tokens outside of taking a cloak action through means by um, mainly Amal and Holdo crew. We've seen that little shenanigans of resistance before. And uh, also Dooku pilot that isn't Coruscant, where he could um, re-cloak in the shooting phase. The seven-point Dooku with his old ability. Um, and a few other niche spots here and there. Um, so when you're looking at that scenario and you have to decide uh, what tools are good to have for this. Well, generating crits, that's, that's an obvious one, right? You want to be able to knock crates off ships. Crits are already really damaging as it is um, to any ship that has to take it. Sometimes it could be the, the difference between life or death on a three health ship. Sometimes it could be a hull breach on a nine uh, hull ship and now has to deal with crits forever for the rest of the round and maybe the next round. Um, but knocking off crates um, off a pot shot because you can modify and generate your own crits, whether it's from stuff like marksmanship or ship abilities like advanced targeting computer from the X1 chassis. Um, Malice, a force uh, usable card that can change a... You can change, spend your force to instead change an eyeball to a crit. Um, proton torpedoes, where you will get a crit as long as you get hit in there advanced or regular so i think that then there's many many more that i probably haven't spoken to but those are the top top off my head of what are crit generating abilities and upgrades in the game right now that people could be like all right this is what i could bring these are the options that i have but also how can i get better or how can i provide stuff that's better at actually carrying the crates instead of maybe focusing on taking them off so ships that can that have repositioning moves, but are not actions, such as ailerons, your strikers, your reapers, your N1 Anakin starfighters with that no action barrel roll. Um, I believe that's actually it. There's not a lot of them in the game, um, but allowing you to still move extra without having it be one of those actions is valuable and squiggling your way around, carrying a crate and running away. Um, but also, if you you could prioritize yourself as having a good selection of valuable advanced maneuvers, your K-turns, your sloops, your talons, your stops, your side slips, etc. Anything that has a weird way to put your ship in a spot to get a arc back in the shot, or in a spot where your opponent can't really stop you for, or maybe you have... Like, I have three sloops, or I have two sloops, and 4Ks, and 5Ks. Like, the Jedi Aether Sprite, even though it really likes its repositions, it's got some pretty good selection of advanced maneuvers to get itself where it wants to shoot still while carrying a crate. 
um, as we talked about with Scramble. Ships that still get mods um, when they want to take that scenario action to pick up the crate, it's good to still have mods or also damage mitigation. So things like Iden uh, TIE Fighter or even Iden Interceptor, um, you feel a little more safe around Iden to pick up a crate and not have a mod, even if you don't have Force or don't have Coordinate. Speaking of which, Coordinators, just like Scramble, it's good to have those, still have a mod if you did the scenario action. Also, just simply cheap ships. Uh, because when you pick up a crate and you are now carrying it, you don't have to stay somewhere. You can go wherever you want on the board to carry that crate as long as possible. So you can have a two-point or three-point ship that all they need to do to make up their value back if they end up dying is go at or over that amount. There's plenty of games where I've seen people you take just a two-point Black Squadron Ace TIE Fighter and just, I'm going to pick up this crate, and I'm just going to go the other way. I'm not even going to try to engage. I'm just going to lump, lump around the entire time, point, tick, point, tick, point, tick, point, tick, and just keep upping the clock for against the uh, their opponent and force them to um, consider, do I reach out and try and stop this ship from uh, carrying this crate? putting myself out of position against ships that are actually trying to fight me, it's a difficult decision sometimes. So general pilots that work out well Rebel-wise, both Lukes, because you have Proton Torps. Ezra TIE Fighter is a great use case for, I'm, I have a passive mod and I'm cheap, so actually has a double whammy there. Uh, Saw Crew VCXs, if you want crits, you get all of them, kind of, depending on how many eyeball results you roll. Uh, Fen Sheathapede as a coordinator. Your I-6 coordinator can give you a lot more information after you've already taken a scenario action to pick up a crate. Um, out of those, I, I think the Ezra Tai is probably the main winner out of that. I mean, we have seen Ezra Tai before, but I think if you're bringing a Rebelist and you're planning for salvage, I think Ezra Tai is an amazing value at three cost. You can still take a crew like K2SO and still be... Oh, giving someone else uh, an extra mod as well with that calculate. Um, you also have jam to be an annoyance, but also or just a tie fighter flying around carrying crate with force and probably evade. Uh, for Empire, they got a slew of things that feel really good. Empire might be the best salvage faction. You get all the Vaders. because even Defender Vader that likes HLC, uh, he's also just got malice with Juke. Uh, very scary for crits. You have X, both X1 Vaders. You have Faroff and Vizier. Great for carrying crates. Vizier with Palpatine just run around and be like, I'm a Palp carry that's still uh, scoring points. Very good. And then I talked about before Aiden. Aiden's great. And any TIE Fighters protected by Aiden. And the two-point ties. All of these are already really well prevalent. There's not really a ship that stands out to me as like a, here's this potentially unused often ship that I could see being swapped to. Everything else is too comfortable and well, uh, plays well enough in other scenarios anyway. I could maybe see someone try out a rack for that extra crit generation for free. Um, pretty tough to bring down. You need a lot of focus fire. You can draw a lot of aggro away from other stuff that can pick up crates instead. For Scum, you got Bosk with Greedo Gunner. Um, it does sometimes not feel as great to not split that crit, but just having that 180 arc of just, I'm going to throw a crit at you. It's 
stop me. <laughs> maybe I, I, two. I got. I probably got Sam Crew too. I mean, and I mean, maybe because of the format, could you maybe see other VCXs maybe being being brought? Is it um, worth I it? I think it's mainly Callus. Um, Callus is the number one to me. He's seven points uh, within the realm of the cheaper VCX. Okay. I mean, cheaper seven still might be a little too high right now. But Callus and Chopper, and I think Callus is probably the better one at this point. One higher initiative at I four. There's so plenty of stuff at I four and up that can concern Callus getting um, maybe not initiative killed in one round, but you know mm -hmm. you want a VCX to live more than two for sure. Actually. Um, for Scum as well, you got Sarasu, similar to Aiden, another cheap three agility ships that can be around Sarasu. Um, a lot of people think you need to like spread out with crates. You don't have to like like for um, assault. When Will was talking about maybe stuff that likes to stick together, um, can't really play that as well. What we've seen in the past was stuff like tie swarms when people played salvage. You could just set up the objectives in a way where that main group sweeps across all of those crates along the way picking up the first one on its first pass and it's already in, in the back line of the ships that aren't likely getting shot at or aren't good shots. And then picking up a front one around this in either the same turn or the turn after because not many things are going to want to go in front of that and pick up something in front of an entire mass group of ships and not have mods and get shot. Um, Gamut and Kanan, damage mitigation for Kanan. Gamut as coordinator plus here save some focus evade calc reinforce whatever tokens while you go pick up a crate. I think there might be some um, value three edgy ships in there that are cheap, like your your three cost three agility, whether it's the seeks or the the mining ties. When you can uh, fly through rocks, you just if you take some rocks, fly through rocks. That's a good kind of getaway option. Uh, you're a, a Havs, the, the new Lapin. Uh, those are both potential mining guild ties that could see more use than uh, normal. Resistance BB-8s, two points. Can easily get that back by just carrying a box around. Proton Torp Pose, Commander Poe or Trigger Poe. Uh, Ray, I just, I have a big gun, all right? Just, I'm going to very easily threaten something that wants to try and pick up a, a crate. Oh, you want to try and pick up that crate? Are you sure you want to use your action to pick up that crate? Because I'm Ray, <laughs> and I have a big gun. Um, Rhodes with C-3PO. It's not a common three-point ship we see in Resistance anymore, uh, but we've seen her value in the past with that coordinate. Uh, Noden in the Resistance transport with Hondo has a lot of crazy shenanigans with the coordinate there. Double coordinates, double jams... Uh, Tally has proton torps. So you could see, like, I could potentially see, like, a Rose or Noden. Tally with proton torps, getting nice double modded proton torp shot. Ray or Poe around with BB 8. Like, you mix some stuff together, figure it out. Um, but yeah, I, I think the, the normally we don't see a lot of coordinators in resistance, but I think they could show up for this. Kylo with Malice or any version of Protorps. Phasma, she has a really good crit mitigation. She's a really good box carrier. If you have someone next to her that can, she can just pass the crit off to. Um, Zai shuttles with Tarek's crew. Uh, Breach with Proton Torpedoes. High initiative uh, FO bomber that we don't see often. We're used to seeing the cheaper ones with Chaffin bombs that got nerfed a little bit. 
Um, I think the Phasma is going to be a common take in first order for Salvage, for sure. Four points, really good box carrier, doesn't really care about reposition. And just stick someone next to her like a uh, quick draw. You sure you want to shoot Phasma? <laughs> <laughs> this is my box. You ain't getting it. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> and if you, if you think you're going to get it, quick draw is going to shoot you extra. Um, Republic, normally not a great salvage option. Um, but Essa, but uh, Coruscant Anakin has Malice. Not a lot of things. I think that's the only ship that has Malice in the faction or can take it. Um, I guess a regular A to Anakin. Uh, Lats, uh, plenty of passive help through attacking, uh, potentially defensive sharing or coordinate crew, etc. I talked about N1 Anakin. It's hard to see an Anakin other than like 7B or... Um, probably the at the eight anakin be taken instead of n1 but n1 anakin can do the the free barrel roll and still take a proton torpedo so that's kind of a double whammy which is nice might on i6 double modded uh torpedo from anakin y-wing maybe um and then your uh coruscant click and stub with shield upgrade stubs really cheap can basically be three agility with five health click is three agility with five health uh, from Coruscant and could help mitigate some damage at range one. Uh, so there's a few options, but your centerpieces are there to really threaten on the damage side of things. So you could stick with like a 7B Anakin and still take like Click and some other small cheap ships around him to you guys carry the boxes. I'm going to go do the, the, the I'm going to go bring the pain. Uh, Separatist, Grievous, and any bubble lab that has impervium plating. I know Grievous doesn't normally want to take a box, but late game, when he wants to end it, grab box, close it out, have the clock tick faster, impervium's going to make it more difficult to put those crits through. Um, well, actually, I just have to check the rules on that. Will, do you know offhand, he still suffers the crit, right? Even if the card is discarded? For the for crate uh, you're talking you're talking impervium plating. Uh huh. Yeah, if you see the back of a card, you were dealt to that card. Okay. So, so yes, you had to be dealt the crit to throw it away. All right, never mind. Ignore me. Um, still bring Grievous anyway. He brings the pain too. Are you sure you want to take that box with Grievous next to you? No. Uh, two point vultures, cheap. Get your points back easy. Uh. Coruscant Dooku brings a lot of crit capability, whether it's him calling crits, whether it's Malice, either one's scary. Bombardment Hyena, cheap, but also free prox mines, could be free crits. And Dirge with a Proton Cannon. We saw Paul Heaver use uh, Proton Cannon, Engine Upgrade, Contraband, Dirge, and if you're in that bullseye, you don't get to use any green tokens defensively, and you get a free eyeball to crit conversion with the Proton Cannon ability itself. So... You'll see a lot of crit stuff. You'll probably see a lot of uh, coordinate or helping stuff. Passive mods will always show up. Um, but you might see some rare like crit mitigation things, like I talked about Phasma, or more coordinate things from factions we hadn't seen, like in Resistance. Uh, what about Selfless and Rebels? That's true. Selfless and Rebels. Pass those crits around to someone else who isn't carrying a box.
Muted. Great. Uh, let me say that one more time. So, <laughs> um, I say thank you for for deep diving that because I, I have found that you know because there's sometimes a lot of resistance uh, to playing salvage that there hasn't been as much uh, as much information and experimentation within that scenario and this is a really great deep dive for every, every faction you got options there so go ahead and start uh, start digging and seeing what you can do and it only benefits you only benefits you in sector series because you're gonna know beforehand so if you think about it. You have some options. Yeah, All right. and then I think uh, let the Wookiee win actually brought up another one. Zeparilios, he uh, camps his crits before hits is a great, uh, great carry. But also just remember, sometimes you could just not opt into helping carry and create at all and just be the person that brings the big guns and crits and say, I don't care about picking them up myself. I'm just going to stop you from doing it. And I'm going to destroy you. And then when I'm close to the end game, when I'm like, all right, now I'll pick up a crate when everything's like mostly dead. That's a pretty viable strategy, too. Awesome. Looking forward, looking forward to seeing what people bring there for salvage. And then last but not least, we have chance engagement. What's chance engagement, Marcel? Uh, kill stuff. So you put one... Um, objective wooden mission token in the center of the board and then each round starting round two there's going to be two points given it's either going to be one point each if both ships have um, both opponents have um, a ship within range two of the center of the board and if they don't if only one of them does then those two points will go to that to the to the one who does but um, essentially, it's, it's, it's a dogfight uh, with the assumption that there's going to be an incentive to uh, just not have your entire list dally around the sides while, you know, so you don't lose two points a, a turn. Um, you, this, this is a funny one. It's a funny one because it's 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 the old dogfighting, right? It's what we're all used to back in 1.0, or and even back to like the um, you know 2.0 before going to 2.5, and it's what it's what we've always played. The people that have been playing around longer, but for the last year, it's only 25% of your practice time, and I would dare to say that it's probably closer to like five to ten percent of your practice time because you know I, I've, I've been playing around a lot in uh just like pickup friendly games throughout the year and the ones that get vetoed are usually chance engagement it's like you know when, when chance engagement comes up they're like ah, let's play something else or you purposely practice the, the ones that you feel you're weakest at, whether it's, um, you know, salvage or whatever. So you tend to ignore just the regular old school dogfight. And you tend to play that. And, and actually, I'm, before I even get deeper into that, like, I'm not going to ask you, Dion, because you barely play. Uh, we'll get some games in, buddy. Don't worry. But William and Ryan, like, would you say that chance engagement is what you play the least? I don't selectively play anything at this point. It's it, I just use like 
randomizer Random. ways, whether it's on TTS, shuffle the randomizer deck of scenario cards, or roll a D4 in person and just, oh, this round at the store, we're going to play this. This round at the store, we're going to play that. So um, I tend to not focus um, on an objective unless an, op an opponent myself agree upon just practicing one specifically in a certain matchup to see how it would play out. Yeah, for me, uh, back, back when snares were launched earlier this year, I never played chance because it was uh, something I knew very well uh, leading up to that. Uh, but now, no, I'm, I'm with Ryan. It's just kind of like whatever, uh, unless it's like this week's sector series is chance engagement. So I want to practice some chance engagements, something like that. Okay. Now the next question before I get into this is uh, includes the answer. In theory, crafting when you're thinking of lists and you're thinking like, well, how's this going to perform in in this scenario? How's this going to perform in that scenario? How often do you take chance engagement into the consideration for how you're building a list? Because I know that I don't at all. I'm always thinking like, how is it going to pick up crates? How is it going to fill the board for assault? Or how is it going to perform in the other one? I mean, unless like my list already has a bunch of odd numbered ships, odd like squad value. We're talking three, five, right? Um, seven, I guess. Uh, <laughs> nine. Uh, those are the only options. It sounds like the uh, to affect the half point threshold, but it's never something that I am building my list around i just noticed it. it was like oh hey i have this advantage in chance is that for, the same for you ryan uh, yeah. for myself one of the things that i guess uh here's a question like could you is it possible to build a list that is good or i'll say serviceable at scenarios and bad at chance engagement like is is that po is that possible? I don't think you could go pure objective play anymore. I think you need some capability to destroy a ship or two. But I, I think I see your line of thinking. That you might yeah. build just an objective only squads. It's like I we we're a bunch of an A wings and we could pick up objectives all day. But can we kill something? And, and and that's where I was headed in that most people are building their list, or at least most people that I know and including myself are building your list of thinking about, okay, how is it going to perform on these three different scenarios? And when it comes to chance engagement, hey, you know what? I'm just going to wing it because um, it does well in these three scenarios. I know how to play a dogfight, so it'll, it'll dogfight. So you don't purposely or a lot of the time you don't purposely think of that scenario while you're list building so that's something that um that it's still 25 percent of the of the possibility of a game and it could even be the final you might have a final enchant engagement and, and if, you, if you didn't take that into consideration you might be setting yourself up at a disadvantage now some of the things that are a an advantage in the other three scenarios that would be a disadvantage in this one would be ships like decimators or like yt 1300s or even some of the big bulky you know like ray and things like that that they just they just put out a ton of damage it's it's very difficult in a five or six round 
uh, which is what the average is, uh, game to, to kill them. I mean, you can get them down to two, three, four health, but you're not going to kill them. And they're going to stick around long enough. They're going to kill things. They're going to collect their mission points, or they're going to prevent other ships from collecting their mission points. And they're not going to give anything up in return. Here, you have half points. And those decimators, if you, if you take rack, which I think rack is uh, eight points, you're going to be giving up four points, guaranteed, every round. Every chance engagement round, you're going to give up four points. Uh, same thing goes for Boba. It's super hard to kill Boba. It's not impossible to get Boba to half, so you're going to be giving up half points with Boba. So a lot of these ships that are that are really good at some of the other objectives or because they stick around forever and you're very unlikely to kill them you're going to hurt them but not kill them it makes it makes um sense to shoot at them in chance engagement because you can get those 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 half points and those half coin those half points come in uh, bunches you know it's usually either three or four points uh which is the same as a small two you know a, a tie fighter will cost you two points or even Iden will cost you three points to get all the way dead where you can get those three points a lot easier just by putting in seven eight damage on a on a decimator which again you, you can get in so i think a lot of people just don't think about that and another one that that um another point that william brought up is the math behind the uh the shield upgrade shield upgrade most times is really good but then you get ships that are odd number or even number in health and when you're an odd number health ship let's say a tie fighter when you're at a tie fighter and you add a shield upgrade it still only takes two points to get you to half or two two damage to get you to half but if you're putting it on a tie foe which is four health now you got to get three points to get that half point and that half point is very minimal. So that shield upgrade makes a lot more sense in those even numbered uh, ships, especially with the higher agility. And then if you're in an odd numbered, um, let's use A-wings, for example. If you're an A-wing that happens to have an odd number, like uh, none of them, actually. Yeah, they're, they're, but, I think they're all even yeah they're all even but if you're in a two agility or three agility ship that has uh a an odd number you're probably better off putting elusive and then some other defensive tech or having a defensive ship or putting offense so you can put out more damage than getting that extra shield because that extra shield is it's, it's not it's not taking you as much as the even number health ships um i think three uh defender vader his stock goes through the roof in chance engagement because now you got a, a force on offense evade focus seven health which requires four points of damage in order to even get half points uh so that's a ship that um that carries its nine points and holds on to its nine points and can re can do enough damage to get rid of the other ships i think defender vader probably does the best in chance engagement i don't know if you guys um, feel the same way or not but it shines most in chance engagement because it's high initiative 
it can be really tanky. It has that natural odd number health, uh, which benefits the the um, the half point portion. Uh, let's see what else. Other than that, I mean, I had most of the stuff that I had written down is stuff that you know to Dion's point or to Williams when it, it makes sense in all the other scenarios like if you have an alpha strike that does well with with assault at the satellite array it's going to do well here uh tie swarms defender vader um probably high initiative basis is something that's that has a potential of doing well here better than other ones things like um sienna re like sienna re can probably make her points value here because she can play the the ace flying around where in other scenarios she's got to contribute to the to the mission objectives and in two of those she's going to have to give up one of her actions and she doesn't get multiple actions you can't do that. that she goes she goes pop pop <laughs> yeah yeah she'll just, she'll just die um yeah so i i mean i can go through different lists that do well but those are honestly just lists that do well dog fighting so i'm not really sure what to kind of say just go for for value that retains their that dog fights well that basically jousts well or that aces around and moves around well mm -hmm. but i personally don't build for chance engagement well, so here, here, chance engagement. i'm gonna i'm gonna give you the question here though it, you know you're playing in sector series are you just is you, here, here's my question to you is your plan to play the same list for all five weeks no. to pr so then when chance engagement week comes up how are you gonna how, how what are you gonna do what how are you gonna are, are you how are you gonna tweak your list yeah so uh, how, how am i gonna do i'm probably going to go well, the first thing I'm not going to do is I'm not going to take any large base ships, any one agility ships. Uh, I'm probably not going to take anything that's one agility. Okay, good point. Two agility and up. So that's the first one because I want to conserve the half points as much as possible. Uh, I'll probably go with two and three agility things. So for an example, if I'm flying resistance, normally I would fly YT, Poe, 1300, a couple A-wings, a couple pods, or something like that, mm -hmm. I would probably switch that up and do use those seven points to fly something a little bit different. Uh, maybe maybe the uh, double reposition uh, T-70 PO, the overdrive PO, mm. overdrive. I would probably go with something like that for that particular scenario because it's not impossible to, even with uh, YT-1300 PO's ability to like barrel roll boost and all that, it's not impossible to pin it down, and it's not. It doesn't take too much to put six damage on it in order to get it to half. Um, so thing, things like that, I would probably avoid the large base, one agility things. So even uh, another example would be um, in Republic. In Republic, whether I'm playing a, a tournament or whether I'm playing one of the other three objectives, I'm probably going to lean heavily into the ARC 170s, the four-point ARC 170s, mm -hmm. um, and probably fly three ARC 170s, you know, the three Siege of Course on ARC 170s, and then fill in the other seven points some way. 
but if it's a chance engagement, I, w I would be more likely to bring an extra ETA, an extra ETA, uh, to kind of just fly around the edges, poke around, do some damage, uh, bring some, um, you know, bring things like uh, the click and things that will make it very difficult for my opponent to get any points. Uh, still be able to play around the center of the board, but kind of uh, knife fight a little bit. Uh, with the first order, instead of going with uh, things like um, like Taya Sefs, probably get that extra agility and go with the Taya Flows and the Taya Silencers. So things like that. Um, you know, just trying to protect the half points as much as possible, I think is probably where, where I would make the biggest uh, choice differences. But if I'm playing chance engagement in the sector series, I'm almost guaranteed to fly Defender Vader and Iden Versio. And okay. St stay alive and stay alive harder. Yeah. And then <laughs> fill in the rest. So it'll be Iden, uh, probably Countdown, because count I love Countdown. But figure it out. You know, it'll be Iden, Defender Vader, figure out the rest from there. Because they're gonna, uh, Vader's gonna put in some hurt, and it's gonna be really hard to get any points off those ships. Uh, what seems good that I just kind of built on a baseline is Defender Vader, Moff Gideon, and four two point TIE fighters. Six ship list, each ship you're only getting one point for getting half. That feels terrible. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and just getting two points for a ship feels terrible. You already talked about Defender Vader. Moff Gideon makes those ties actually hit. I mean, I know how much you like Moff Gideon. I think another one that we, we need to just consider is BB 8 uh, with Han Solo, the automated targeting priority plus uh, Han Solo crew BB 8. That BB-8 can stay alive forever. And then I was telling, um, before we got on, I was telling William about uh, people flying that ship with uh, G... Can't think of it, though. The, you get to bring it in. It's the, resist the insta-resistance uh, droids, what you're talking about, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, you, you bring in BB-8 in the third round, and, I mean, BB-8's just going to... It's going to stick around forever, and it's just going to be really annoying um, because at that point, you can put them behind the rest of the formation so you can get them into the, into the place where he's going to be able to get multiple evades. Um, it's, a, it's a pretty good ship, but any two-point ship, I think, is, is, is a steal when it comes to uh, chance engagement, and any three-agility ship is going to be good. Alpha Strike is also good because... You can just... You're dead. Yeah. <laughs> Step one, you're dead. All right. Yeah, I, mean, I'm, I am really excited to see uh, how players make adjustments for the Sector Series. Because, you know, one of the other things that, um, that Brian is going to be doing for us, uh, Brian is the creator of Roll Better, um, is players will have to enter their list each week. And we will have documentation for what lists 
were made each week. And when we get to, you know, those top four cuts after five weeks, we'll be able to see, all right, you know, players near the top, what were they doing with their list? Were they, did they have like one kind of archetype and they were slowly making maybe just like upgrade adjustments or was somebody like cycle completely different lists? Um, you know, I'm, I'm just really excited to see what would happen. Now, uh, Will, if you were playing in the series, what what would be your approach? Are, are you taking completely different lists each week? Are you sticking with a single faction? Where would you be at? Uh, I'm a I'm a least list of the week kind of guy. Whatever faction I'm kind of feeling uh, at that time. <clears throat> like right now, I'm flying a lot of uh, Imperials and Republic, uh, but um, just to try out some new stuff. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to be yeah definitely change my list every week i'm not sure if i'm gonna like go hard on like trying to hard counter the objective rather than just you know maybe bring something i can handle a multitude of other people maybe trying a similar strategy uh but no i'm if, if i can i'll change my list every week nice what about you ryan yeah, I, I don't mind changing the list. I, I do kind of agree that I'm not going to full go hard in on the like, oh yeah, I'm going to tech specifically for this objective, even if it would tank all the other objectives. Like, that's not valuable to me as someone who wants to take the time that's spent playing in the Sector series to mm -hmm. also apply my learnings to what I could do in an official AMG event, mm -hmm. which is Worlds at Adepticon. So when I play games in that capacity, I want it to contribute to my learning, any development of a list, et cetera, et cetera. So I'd probably at least bring a list that isn't in, a, in the category of, you know, kind of punts this objective as an as a example. Like I'm probably not taking Republic into salvage unless mm -hmm. I really just wanted to stress tested right? i mean and, and that's what there could there's value in that right you're like listen most people this is me i'm, I'm taking something that is bad at this objective because i need to learn how bad <laughs> yeah or know how i can find a way to overcome it like right. people i might be paired up with someone who went full in on getting it and i could be terrible at it like, that's the full end of the spectrum i could try and stress test it if i wanted to but i think i'm more likely going to just like if it was scramble week um, I might still take Republic, but I'm not going to like super tech it specifically for Scramble. I'll just bring a good Republic list that I would bring to any Swiss event anyway. Nice. All right, my friends. Well, for our fans and friends out there, Sector Series registration is open. So uh, we're getting started on Jan in January. So get signed up ASAP. Uh, my plan is to cut off registration one week before uh, we start. Um, that way, if I need to do sector reorganization, we have time to do that. And then we draw up the first round. And we get rolling. So right now, it looks like we're at about 90 players for the Sector Series. Should be a great time. Uh, and if you've never played on TTS before, because I know that there are some newer players um, who are joining uh, or players that have watched from afar from a while, this is a great low, uh, what do I call it? Low investment opportunity uh, to get into Tabletop Simulator because it doesn't cost you anything but taking time to play games. So it uh, should be a great time. 20 bucks. Well, well it's... 
Marcel, I you're right. The the thing does cost twenty dollars. I guess specifically what I meant is like you don't have to pay for the tournament. Okay, thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah, T tabletop simulator sometimes on sale for ten dollars. All right, I guess I was specifically thinking about there's four people I know that they have tabletop simulator. They've installed the mod at some point, and they're just like kind of scared to jump in. <laughs> mm. You know that that actually uh, that makes me think. I mean. Um... Actually, Steam should have their winter. It should be coming um, up any any day now. The winter sale. Yeah, the well, winter I'm sale gonna, for Christmas. Well, the winter yeah. sale already happened, but they'll name it something different. The winter sale was like around. Uh, oh, around Thanksgiving. Yeah. Sure, sure. Interesting. Oh, but every uh, other week they have a different name sale going on. Yeah. Maybe we could coordinate some. Uh, uh, what do I want to say? Uh, people who are in the giving spirit can maybe pick up one of those four packs and we could find them people to give those codes to. Could be a great way to join in in the holiday spirit. That's right. right. I'm going to make a request. Request access granted. You. Me. Sign up and play. It's been tough, man. I, I will tell I you. It's been tough. It's, uh, it's two hours a week. You're 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 correct. Hour and a half. Hour and a half a week. You're, he also you're, has a new baby. I the Alara has been. Uh, she's fine, but she's been a very needy baby. So uh, compared to Arwen, Arwen was easy. Oh my god, she would sleep like five hours at a time, eat back to sleep had time to do everything uh alara very much is a she needs to be held almost all day in order for her not to be screaming for the whole day I, i'm just saying it's 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 doable At, and your tts is the best place to be like hey you know what i need to take five minutes i gotta do this i gotta do that i gotta take a poop you know I <laughs> Like, I understand that, but at the yeah, same time, I don't want to inconvenience people. I will try. I, I sign up and figure it out. I can sign that? up. I can sign up, sign and, up figure and figure it, it out. out. Okay. I'll have to talk to Devin to see which sector time will be the best for me. If And I will tell you, if I can do it, this means that you guys can do it. Right now, uh, I might have to play with one hand, holding a baby. And no, but you, don't get, you don't get like a Bjorn or something? You don't get she, one of those? You don't, you don't wrap her around like with a blanket or something? She doesn't like it. Oh, she likes bro, the cradle. Bro, huh? bro, she, she goes, I, I want to be able to hear your heartbeat and I need to feel mm. your hands. I, today, right before the show, I, uh, Dev, Devin was taking Arwen to dance. And all I did, so I was patting her with my right hand and I switched to the left hand. She, this baby was just like, man, no, I want the other hand. I want the, and, like, oh. and I just switched and she was fine. It was, it's, babies are funny. They're silly. You guys know. Anyway, huh. my friends, I'm looking forward to see what Sector Series is, and I got, got to love Marcel putting me on blast to play in my own tournament. Makes sense, makes sense. But I can't, I can't, I can't win my own. I see if I go, if I, if, I'm, if, I'm, if I join, I'm just gonna win no, it. No, no, and no. Then like that's, that's the total boss move. <laughs> Create a tournament yeah. and win mm. it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Be like, oh yeah. I mean, you can join if you want, but like, I mean, that's like I'm gonna, gonna, I'm gonna crush dreams and all these other like. <laughs> isn't that like the whole thing? Like the whole like in uh, like in the knights and even in Game of Thrones, like they 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 create these tournaments just so they can win it themselves. True. Do it. This is true. 
<laughs> Do you, uh, you put your name in the goblet? You put your name in the goblet? <laughs> I did. <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. It has been awesome. Uh, we will not have a podcast next week because it's holiday weekend. Coming off holiday weekend, I know I personally will not be available. Um, and uh, we'll give you guys some time to spend time with family and friends, and hopefully, uh, maybe maybe play some games, maybe play some TTS, maybe a card game with uh, with family and friends. Uh, I know. Uh, my brother and sister are coming into town. We're planning on playing. My brother wants to play X-Wing, but my sister has zero interest in playing it. But she's interested in the Marvel Dice Thrones. So, gonna gonna play gonna play that. Hey, Will, you want to come down and play some Dice Thrones? <laughs> play some Dice Thrones? Uh, <laughs> Sunday <laughs> afternoon, maybe? <laughs> oh, shit. Wait, no. Sunday is, Sunday is, uh, Sunday is Christmas. Chris oh, no. Yeah, well, yeah you can't maybe. do Sunday. <laughs> we'll figure something out. All right, everybody. Thanks for watching, everybody. Be smart and be safe. Gold Squadron out.